Come on. Welcome, Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Paul Hussar. Paul, are you ready to do this? Oh, that's, that's how we say strong and powerful in, in the Army. I'm no longer in the Army, but still trying to replicate those cultures, norms, and values. So, hua, good morning, and thank you, George. Let's go. Paul is CEO of VetCorps and Team VetCorps. He is a retired Army officer. He's on a mission to create sustainable and meaningful employment opportunities and business opportunities for our nation's heroes. Paul, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, thanks, George. Uh, I, I was a retired, I am a retired Army officer. Um, a lot of things have happened in my life, in my life by accident. Uh, I went to West Point really by accident. Um, loved it, stayed in the military, uh, 23 years of, of service, four combat tours in Iraq. And uh, I had the privilege of commanding a combat airborne engineer battalion. It's the same battalion I was a, a second lieutenant in, and I later commanded them and took them back to Iraq. I, I was in Desert Storm with them and then took them back to Iraq. Just a very enriching experience. I, I culminated my experience as the dean of the Army's engineer school at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And then eight years ago, I retired and moved to Tampa, Florida, um, really for quality of life. After um, some significant time away from family and deployments, I said, all right, it's time to live life. And so we moved here and um, I have a pretty significant educational background, I'm a licensed professional engineer, master's in civil engineering, and I couldn't find a job. And I recognized the challenges that veterans face um, in making that transition, people think, you know, you wear a uniform, all you do is shoot, move, and communicate. And they don't understand that the same skill sets exist in the military as they do to, to run a city. Um, and uh, I said, man, if I'm experiencing this with my resume, what about the youngsters who have had so much rich experience compared to, and responsibilities compared to their peers? Um, what, are, what are they experiencing? They were experiencing challenges. So, just by uh, luck and circumstance, I ran into a guy named David Howard, who David is now my business partner, but he uh, was a CEO of a forensics engineering company that was doing cause and origin loss investigations for sinkholes. Big deal in Florida. Um, that's how he got my resume. And uh, I, little known to me at the time, he was also looking to round out other services and, and things to um, their clients they had. And uh, he says, hey, I'd like you to be the president of VetCorps. He had the, he had the concept, a uh, water damage restoration company, and uh, lead it, manage it, start it. And, and he really started it on Veterans Day. And um, this is a couple of weeks after Veterans Day. So off we go, manning, training, equipping. And uh, it gave me a way to try and help vets in a way I wasn't able to do on active duty. When I was the dean of the Army's engineer school, we were trying to work on fixing credentialing problems so that soldiers, sailors, airmen were, were more ready, ready to transition. And away we went. Uh, and we've had some success. We've done, we've done good work with our team members. I said, Shh, don't tell anybody the secret to our success. We hire veterans. They're great teammates. And then two years ago, we started franchising it uh, about six months before COVID, which was a bit of a challenge. And so now we're, we're out just trying to tell our story about what we're doing. We have 11 franchisees now. 
across um, six in, in Florida, two in Texas, one in New York, one in Georgia, one in, um, in Virginia, and soon to award one in Kentucky, one in Ohio. And so we're trying to create a movement to, to create opportunities for vets as business owners now and, and really career opportunities through those franchises too. Nice. That's a cool story. And thank, thank you for your service. Uh, oh, I said it's a young man's game, or I'd still be doing it. Um, but it, it was a ton of fun and it was a great honor and privilege. How does one go to West Point on accident, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I'm pretty sure I was profiled. Um, like any other, you know, young, I, I was a sophomore in high school. I was fit. I was athletic. I was kind of, uh, I was a good student and I was kind of the, the leader of my pals is, um, and so we're, we're walking around a career fair at Kent State University. I was from Akron, Ohio, and uh, I was kind of the ringleader of the guys. And um, this guy, uh, army officer there, uh, representing West Point at a career fair, college college career fair booth, uh, stops me and says, "Hey, did you ever think about West Point?" My dad at the time was running a general contracting company. I used to work for him in the summer. That was pretty cool. Uh, I, I was good at math. I was going to be a civil engineer. I thought, nah, if I get a civil engineering degree and then go work for my dad, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't be handed to me? And I said, no, sir. Uh, I said, thanks. I'm going to be a civil engineer. And he said, uh, son, did you know that West Point was the first civil engineering school in the United States? I knew nothing about West Point. And I said, no. And I turned around and walked back. And it was like, he just reeled me in. <laughs> and then he handed me this brochure that said, you know, X percentage of the class are varsity letter winners, X percentage are team captains, X percentage are valedictorians, blah, 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 blah. And that, that was me. And I read that whole brochure on the bus ride on the way back and sent it in. Next thing you know, I was hooked. I gotcha. Yep. And it was more <laughs> of the challenge um, cause I, I mean, I was a patriotic person. My parents were patriotic, but no military service in my, my family to speak of. Um, it was more of the challenge and what I saw, uh, West Point was it's kind of, uh, in my opinion, the greatest leader development institution in the world. And, uh, I was all about that challenge and, and trying to develop myself as a leader. Oh, amen. So you said that sometimes people don't connect the dots that that vets are great teammates that the same skills that you learned in in the service greatly serve yeah. you in any endeavor and to me i'm like yeah that's I, I have all the reverence for for the systems and the processes and kind of a standard operating procedure that that y'all have to go through in order to have the greatest fighting force on 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 planet earth what? so why, why do people not get that or, and maybe build, build a little bit on, on why vets are, are perfect candidates? Yeah. So first of all, I, people uh, honor vets, they revere vets. They thank us for our service. Um, they just don't understand us. And I've done, I, I did a lot of thinking about this because I went for a period of about six months in my own personal transition. And then I also studied it. I tried to be uh, introspective and reflective and understand it. And what, though I've come to the conclusion is we're at a point in time in our nation's history where less than half a percent of the population actively serve in the U.S. military. 
it's the lowest it's ever been. We, hmm. we should pound our chest because, as you said, we have the greatest military in the face of the earth. We're the most powerful nation ever. We're doing it with the least amount of our national treasure at risk. Awesome. Uh, that translates to only about 7% of the entire population have ever served our veterans, right? Again, lowest it's ever been in our nation's history. And it's only getting lower as the population expands. It's a growing population, more babies born than people dying. Actually, the veteran population is declining because of the size of the service. So again, good, good news, not trying to say anything bad about that. Um, but then we drift farther and farther apart from the the really the community, the society that we serve to protect and defend. So fewer and fewer people have a cousin, a neighbor, a brother, a sister, a spouse who they actually know that has any service. So, you know, we have these great freedoms in our country. People are thankful for vets, but they don't necessarily understand who we are, what we do because of those, the lack of personal experiences and personal connections. And so a lot of stigmas have evolved. You know, uh, the two most common words associated with veterans, disabled and homeless. I mean, it's ridiculous, it's mm -hmm. absurd, but if you were to pull people, that's what you'd find out. So what happens is if you wear a uniform, all you do is shoot, move, and communicate. You know, if you're in the army, you were a grunt or a tanker. If you were in the Navy, you were a SEAL or a ship driver. If you're in the Air Force, you were a pilot. If you're a Marine, you're, you're a grunt. But but that's not true. And even the people who were those combat skill sets have, as I said, I think the military is the greatest leader development institution in the world. So I think it's, it's just a thing that has happened naturally in society. And, and, and we're not good at telling our story either, because all of us who are veterans have spent our entire adult lives for the team, right? And then you get out, and um, you know, you're supposed to develop a resume and, and go in an interview and tell people how great you personally are. So mm. they'll have you join your team and, and you're not used to that. In fact, you're uncomfortable about that. So we don't do a good job telling our story. So what you have left is that fill the gap is, you know, Hurt Locker. And I use that as an example. It was an Academy Award winning movie. And it is absolutely, in my opinion, <laughs> a terrible depiction of, of military service. And then these stereotypes just perpetuate over time. I don't think anybody doubts that we're great teammates, that we, that we have great work ethic, sense of duty, et cetera. But I'm not sure people hire based on that. They'll fire based on the lack of that over time when they discover it. But they're hiring based on you know, skill sets on a resume, keywords. I mean, all, those, all the search engines are built on that. Mm -hmm. Well, we speak a different language too, so that's a problem. Yeah, yeah, that certainly makes sense. It strikes me that that somebody that would be coming out of out of the military, a veteran, would probably thrive in an environment like like a franchise. It, it, veterans succeed overwhelmingly compared to their civilian peers in franchising. But I would tell you, it's it's not for the reason most people think. Hmm. You know, franchising, in my opinion, is all about training, standardizing, and replicating. It's one of the reasons I think we do very well as a franchisor. And then it's all about you know, following SOPs, if you will, um, operations manuals, taking the brand um, and doing the best and operating it in a, in a specific geography, usually defined by a set of zip codes, et cetera. Well, people think, well, veterans succeed at that because they follow orders well. They do, they have to, right? 
But the definition of leadership, providing purpose, direction, motivation, and the military is familiar with giving orders in terms of task and purpose, or five W's in a mission statement, who, what, where, when, why, and nesting commander's intent, understanding intent two levels above your own, so that veterans can exercise initiative within the intent. So they, they, they follow SOPs, and then they make them better, right? And then they share because they're good teammates to the left and to the right. And they also are really good at continual learning because they, they spend three to four years in a job or in a location and change. They're lifelong learners. The military is designed like that. Again, people don't necessarily understand that. They're always doing after-action reviews. What's an after-action review? Determine what happened, why it happened, and how we can improve. Imagine a culture where an organization does that. The, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And I imagine that you're familiar with 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 Jocko Willink and yeah. his book Discipline Equals Freedom. And I think that a lot of people do view SOP, standard operating procedure, as well. That's really limiting. I'm I'm, I'm going to be really constrained. When in fact, it does the opposite. It it, yeah. it allows us to handle and thrive in chaos and to exercise initiative, like you're talking about, because we've already done the things that we know we need to happen. And I imagine when we're dealing with uh, restoration, when you're coming upon the scene of 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 a, 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 a accident, a, an emergency, that yeah. you want to make sure you have all those things checked off, so you can then figure out what's going on. That's right, it, and that's what one of the reasons why it's such a great industry for us because we have checklists, right? But every day it's something different: dishwashers, ice makers, hot water heaters, air conditioning units, roof leaks biotrauma crime scene, kitchen fires, the, the aftermath of the winter storms in Texas, the aftermath of hurricanes in New Orleans, right? There are all these things that are very interesting and you got to follow procedures. We have checklists, we, uh, you know, our backs of our trucks are very organized like they were a combat vehicle, but then you get there and you also have to exercise initiative and judgment on the spot, right? And, and that's what, what we're really good at. We're used to doing that. And in service of someone else and for a cause greater than ourselves. And one of the cool things, the coolest thing, the thing I'm most passionate about is in our organization built around the cultures, norms, and values of the military, the more, the better we do, uh, the more people we serve, the better reputation we have, the greater the business is, the more, rep the more our reputation expands, the more business we get, the more opportunities we get to create or fellow veterans. And that's being a part of something bigger than yourself. Sounds awesome. Like yeah. it really, it's, it's, it sounds like you've, you've, you've checked all the boxes. Like, honestly, um, I, I believe it is. It's not without challenge though, but, <laughs> but it, 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 it's, I, I get up every day excited about that because we're driven by a cause we're driven by our passion. I love it. Well, Paul, people are ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? All right, so um, I, I carry this around in my phone, and now that we've we've started franchising, um, right? This has been really important to me, and I and I use it to also to help veterans in transition when they're trying to look for what to do and and transition in their lives. And here here's the nugget, and uh, and I'll I'll show you the little infographic I have. I keep it on my phone and whip it out. If you can find the intersection of what you love doing, what the world needs what you can be paid for and what you are good at. You'll never not work another day in your life. 
So um, see, there it is, right? And I call that the sweet spot. And what I'm looking for when we try and find franchisees is somebody who thinks that the opportunity to be a VetCorp franchisee is the intersection of those four things. And, you know, people think about, hey, I like working out at a gym. Well, just because you like working at a gym doesn't mean you should be a gym owner, right? Because that's not what the owner does in a business. So you got to be good at, you know, leading, managing, uh, running a business, that kind of thing. You don't necessarily have to be good at restoration, but you have to be good at customer service, at exercising command and control, good judgment, because we're going to teach you the technical stuff and, and your and the their technicians and stuff. Um, the most important things, I think, are, you know, are you passionate about it? And you don't have to be, again, you don't have to be passionate about restoration, but you're going to be passionate about hiring vets and creating opportunities for vets. And so whether that's an opportunity of vet corps, whether that's a nine to five salary job, whether that's, you know, you're an artist and, you know, you, you, you create your work and you sell it, whatever that is, if you can find the intersection of those four things, uh, you find fulfillment and satisfaction in your life, I believe. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets a hua. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. Where, where can people learn more about you? How can they get involved with VetCore? Yeah, so um, I'm happy to connect with folks. Uh, if they're interested in VetCore, great. Uh, if they're interested in learning about veterans or if they're a veteran interested in transition and assistance, any of those things, um, reach me on LinkedIn, Paul Huzar, H-U-S-Z-A-R, or Facebook. Those are I'm very active on both of those, as well as my company pages or our company website www.vetcorvetcorservices.com or vetcorfranchising.com and there's places to enter your information we'll follow up with you um but you know again it's not a sales pressure thing this is a let's connect and have a discussion and see if you know for vetcore if, if you're in that intersection of those four things then you might be a good candidate. And then we've got some work to do. And uh, if you're passionate about trying to help vets and be an advocate, connect. Perfect. Well, if you enjoyed this much as I did, show Paul your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Somebody who's a veteran, somebody who has veterans in their lives, help get the word out. Uh, go to vetcoreservices.com or vetcorefranchising.com. That's V-E-T-C-O-R. Find Paul on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thanks again, Paul. George, thank you so very much. I appreciate it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.